Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census, some versions say tax, first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, and everyone went to be registered in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee. Galilee is where Joseph was living. Out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. He went there because he was of the house and lineage of David, King David, to be registered with with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She gave forth a baby. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Today we're going to focus on a topic I've called, Thank God I Don't Fit. Look at your neighbor and say those words, Thank God I Don't Fit. Lord, I love you this morning. God, I'm so grateful for your presence. I can feel you in this room right now. God, do your work. Let nothing happen in this room from this point forward that is not ordained and directed by you. God, we ask that your anointing, that powerful, powerful anointing just fall down in this room. God, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the captive free. It's the anointing that makes the difference and we lean on it and we put an expectation on it that, God, it would do a good work in our lives. God, there's some people in here that are looking for you. They need you. And, God, I pray that you just meet them at their need today. There's somebody that needs their head lifted higher. God, I pray that they're encouraged today. There's somebody that needs hope this morning. I pray you give them hope. God, there's somebody that needs to be healed. Let your healing power flow through this room and God as this word goes forth help us to receive it help our hearts to be open so that the seed of your word would be planted in our hearts and would produce fruit we love you we glorify you we lift you up and give you praise have your way today in Jesus name amen and amen one more time put your hands together and give God praise then you may be seated Thank God I don't fit. Have you ever asked yourself, why don't I fit here? 
Have you ever asked yourself the question, why am I not fitting in? The social construct that we have as a people in this generation, keeping up or fitting in is almost a prerequisite to functioning in society adequately. Um, If you don't have a current social media page, you're behind the times. If it ain't full of all these lavish selfies and good-looking pictures, then maybe ain't nothing going on in your life. And especially among young people, the pressures of social media and keeping up with your friends, what I mean by that is not keeping up with what they're doing, but keeping up with their fashion, keeping up with their trends, keeping up with what they are doing, being in the cool or in the know. There's a lot of pressure behind that. And especially in the United States right now, uh, it, it seems a lot of celebrities and, and, and sporting figures seem to get the headlines quite a bit. And, and things that actually matter in life take a backseat. Take a backseat. Needless to say, church is way in the back corner. And I call it church, but when I say church, I'm saying the people of God or somebody that's convicted to follow the Lord or to represent Jesus Christ. I I didn't intend to go this direction, but statistics will tell you that even the majority of people that profess to be Christians do also believe that there are other ways to get to heaven or to find whatever salvation is to you. The reality is there is only one truth. There's not your truth or my truth or his truth or her truth. There is only one truth. That's what makes truth so powerful is that it doesn't matter what your opinion is or what you you feel or, or where you fit or whatever. It doesn't really matter because truth is truth no matter who you are. It just is what it is. And so here we are in holidays are in full effect. We got the lights. We got the decorations. When you drive through the neighborhoods, the lights are up. People are already shopping and spending all their money on Amazon. And the demands of what Junior and and Little Misses want for Christmas are already putting pressure on you. And so we're in full swing, full swing. The movies are on the Hallmark Channel. I don't want to bust anybody out, but my son's going to the military in a few weeks. Isn't that awesome? Tough guy, plays football, he cowboys with us, works out every day, trying to paint a picture of my son as a man's man. But man, he can't help but watch them Hallmark Christmas movies. (laughs) Thought I'd get you this morning. (laughs) (laughs) needless to say we are in full Christmas swing but in it all I think it's important to just pause for a minute right here at the front and remember a simple truth I said a few minutes ago there is a reason for the season and his name is Jesus Christ 
Don't let the movies, don't let the lights, don't let the Christmas trees, don't let the wreaths, don't let the shopping, don't let all the decorations deter you or distract you from the fact that Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. Isaiah tells us, for unto us a child is born, a son is giving, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders. And I think a lot of times when we get into these seasons, we forget that Jesus is the reason for the season. Somebody say that name, Jesus. At the end of the day, that's the name that saved you. At the end of the day, that's the name that lifted you up out of that pit. At the end of the day, whatever hopeless situation you're facing, even today, he is hope for that situation. Without Jesus, we have nothing. Without Jesus, this gathering is just a social country club. That's all this is. But because it's, his name is Jesus and he is who he is, when we come in this room, things happen. People can be healed. You can find deliverance. Somebody can be saved. And I'm not getting enough amens because Jesus really is the reason for the season. He's the reason for the season. And I think it's important that we just take a minute right at the beginning and, and remember that and make sure that that stays in the forefront of our minds as we go through this month. Christmas has a way of putting pressure on people. Christmas has a way of putting pressure on people. But when you remember that he's the reason, it kind of alleviates that pressure a little bit. Because, yeah, it's the, it's the season of giving, but, but, and we should bless our kids, and we should bless our family, and that's awesome, and there's something wonderful uh, about that time together. But what about those that don't have no family to bless? Or what about those that don't have no money to bless nobody? They really wish they could, but they, they just don't have it to give. I think we all need to remember that during this season because when I look on Jesus' life, I don't think the Christmas story starts, uh, I mean, starts and ends in the manger and when the wise men come and then the Christmas story is over. I think the Christmas story is still alive right now and it's still being written and it's still being told because the Christmas story is Jesus' story. And all I saw Jesus doing was giving. Freely you have received. Why? Because I gave to you. That's what Jesus said. So freely give. I'm not talking about your offerings. I'm talking about being a blessing to somebody because somebody needs hope on your job. Somebody needs to understand that they don't have to feel the pressure of Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is a story about redemption and reconciliation. It's not a story about how much money you can spend and, and what family you don't have to connect to. Because there is a light and may not be the star in the east, but his name is Jesus Christ. And he arrived on the scene long before the sun, moon, and stars. There is a light of hope for you. And I think it's important that we all keep that at the forefront of our minds over the next few weeks. Um, we live in the state of Oklahoma, and this is a very blessed state. So sometimes it's easy for us to overlook those that are in need. But trust me, I promise you, if you look just a little bit, you don't have to look too hard. If you look just a little bit, you'll find somebody that you can bless. Amen? I really didn't mean to go that direction, but maybe the Lord wanted us to. Jesus' story is the Christmas story. And so because it's his, 
and he is the son of the Lord, son of God, his story had to be perfect. It had to have the right time, happen at the right time. It had to have the right timing. There's a difference between time and timing. You can be in time and still miss an appointment because you didn't have good timing. It had to be at the right place. All the conditions had to be perfect. The context of this moment when Jesus is born is during the Roman Empire. They ruled the known world when Jesus was born. I think it's real strategic that God fit his story right in that spot. And during this time, there was a certain Caesar, Augustus, that ruled Judea, that area. He wasn't really the guy over everything. He was over that area. And in the scripture here, there's even arguments that theologians have about the, 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 the term or the phrase whole world. Because really, Rome didn't even rule the whole world. They just ruled a region. Right? But even that isn't referring to the whole world. It's really talking about the whole area. And so there's arguments all about this text in here, even because that, that governor of uh, Syria that we can't say his name because it's spelt real weird, even him, he didn't even rule till 10 years later. But he's mentioned in here, and so you'd say, well, how could that be? The Bible is infallible. How could it be? Because it was the way it was being told by Luke. And I think God's intention is to make sure there's always mystery surrounding him so that you don't ever get to a place where you feel like you understand him. And so there's this going on. And so what happens is they're preparing for attacks. They're preparing for attacks. And in order to prepare for that tax adequately, the government is putting pressure on everybody to get back to where they were from. Or just go to where you want to be registered at. Because everybody has to be registered so that you can pay your tax in the region that you say you're from. And so this is happening. Not only is it during a uh, time when the government is putting pressure on people in weird ways. But it's also during a time of a lot of divisions. There's a lot of divisions in this culture, especially right here in this region of Israel. There's divisions between the Jews and the Gentiles. There's divisions between the clean and the unclean. There's divisions between uh, the zealots fighting against the Roman empire and then there's those that are saying we should just conform to it it'll be better there's divisions between the religious and what the religious would call the ungodly what I'm trying to show you is that there's divisions happening at this present moment and they're very escalated there's a lot of craziness happening because you have people maneuvering for power and you have people that are trying to get their agenda through because their agenda is the only agenda and it's the right agenda because it's my agenda. Sound like anything to you? 
And so Jesus decides to step on the scene right in the middle of these divisions. I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's an accident. Because um, darkness has a way of creating divisions. Now, darkness can be literally darkness where there is no light. Darkness can be ignorance, a lack of knowledge. Darkness can be an oppression, a depression. Darkness has a way of producing divisions. We have four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only two of them really address the, the Christmas story. That's Matthew and Luke. But in John, I like the way he introduces Jesus. Because he says that, that he is the Word. And the Word became flesh, and that Word was the life, right, of, of us. And he was the light of the world. And darkness could not comprehend that light. What I see happening right there is Jesus saying, I came to dispel anything that darkness is trying to do. Including the divisions. Including the, the divisions. I think it's important right here at the front of this, that we are careful not to become so familiar with darkness that we're okay with it. There's a difference between dividing or being divisive and what the Bible calls be ye separate. There's a distinct difference. Because when Jesus shows up here, he's looking to, to uh, uh, eliminate the gap or the chasm between those divisions. He's trying to reconcile the Jew and the Gentile. He's trying to fix what's going on between the zealots and the conformists. He's trying to bring healing to those that are unclean and make them clean so that they don't have to ring a bell and stay, a, stay away. That they can actually not be divided, but they can come closer. Too often we, uh, I want to be careful. Too often we stand too staunchly on the platform of our opinion. And we're so consecrated to that opinion and that stance that we forget that we're not here for that stance. We're here to bring the reconciliation of the love of Christ to people that don't have it. To people that don't have it. Should not be easy for us to fit into a world of darkness. Religion or a belief system that is not accurate to what Jesus teaches can put you into a position of justifying wrong behavior. Religion or a belief system that is not accurate to what Jesus teaches can put you into a position of justifying wrong behavior. Now, wrong behavior, I'm not talking about uh, all the, what, what religion calls the obvious sins of drinking and smoking and carousing and doing this, that, and the other. No, I'm talking about the one of condescension or, 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 or that wrong behavior of entitlement. 
or that wrong behavior that would, that would ostracize somebody or that wrong behavior that would cause somebody to feel like they're an outcast or that wrong behavior that would look down on somebody when they walk into the church building and they don't look the way you want them to look. Or, 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 or you, don't, you pass by somebody that you could have invited to church just because they didn't look or, or act the way you like them to act. Or, or that moment you had to love on somebody but you knew they thought differently than you. You knew they, they, they said things differently than you. They, you knew they were in a different political party than you. And you weren't willing to just love them a little bit. Jesus eliminates divisions John 14 and verse 6 says he is the way the truth and the life and no one no one goes to the father except through him so what that just simply said to me is he eliminates the divisions because it doesn't matter if you're black white brown green red uh, uh, Republican, Democrat, uh, gay, straight, uh, 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 whatever, sinner, unsinner, uh, religious priest, uh, uh, whatever you want to call yourself, you ain't getting to God unless you go through him. So what I just said is don't matter who you are, we all got to get there the same way. We all got to get there the same way. We all got to get there the same way. How's that? Through him. The power of reconciliation couldn't be as potent without the way Jesus enters the scene. Lowly, poor, impoverished. So let's talk about it. I'm going to do my best to stay away from my notes this morning because there's too many of them. And I think I'll be long-winded and I don't think that's the point. Thank God I don't fit in. Reason people feel like they don't fit in is usually tied to an insecurity. It's usually tied to an insecurity. Or they feel like they don't fit in because the group of people who whatever that is are too closed. Are too closed. But even at that point, a person that didn't have too many insecurities wouldn't really care about fitting in there, right? So if you really look at it, most of the time, not fitting in really, really goes all the way down to that root of insecurity, fear. I don't know who I am. I'm not confident. I'm insecure. Shamefully, we live in a time where there's a lot of insecure people, even those that think you think are confident. When they're behind closed doors, they're pretty scared. Because just because you make a lot of money don't mean you're, you're living in purpose. As a matter of fact, making a lot of money sometimes can cloud you from actually chasing the purpose that you're supposed to be chasing. Many people don't find their place because they're too scared to change their situation. Many people don't fit in because they're too scared of fitting out of what they're fitting into right now. Most people don't fit in because they're scared of getting out of what they fit in right now. So here's 
the whole scenario is interesting. Because it starts with Joseph. It starts with Joseph. If you go to Matthew and read the first chapter, it goes through all these generations. It starts with Abraham. And it's important to understand that. We'll come back to Abraham in a little bit. But it starts with Abraham. It goes through 42 generations till it gets to Joseph. And right there, Matthew picks up in verse 18. And it says, now the birth of Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary had, was betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, let me tell you what that just said. Is Mary came to Joseph. They ain't married yet. She was betrothed, meaning she was engaged. She came to Joseph and she told him, I'm pregnant. And Joseph know full well he ain't had nothing to do with Mary yet. And I would assume if they were about to get married, they knew the birds and the bees story. And so they, he, he looked at her and said, excuse me? She tells him again, I'm, I'm pregnant. But it's with the Holy Spirit. It's from the Holy Spirit. Do you know how crazy that man must have looked at her? I'm a man full of faith. I have lots of faith. My daddy raised me from when I was born to serve the Lord. Now, I ain't, I ain't done right my whole life, but I tell you what, I've never doubted God, right? He taught me how to read the Word. He taught me how to study the Word. I've been with my pastor now for 30-plus years, and it's just a, a blessing and a privilege to be that close to the anointing. So I've felt it. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I know it. I have more faith in God, I'd argue, than anybody. But if my wife came to me and told me she was pregnant, and she was pregnant by the Holy Ghost, me and her would have a problem. Me and her would have a problem. Can you imagine how he felt right there? You, you what? And the Bible tells us he's a just man. He's a just man. He's probably done everything he can do to make sure he's fitting in. Because we know... That he is a descendant of King David. But somehow he's not recognized. Besides the Bible. As a descendant of King David. Because all he is is a construction worker. That's it. And here he is. About to be betrothed to Mary. And she tells him. I'm pregnant. And because of his circumstances in this moment, he doesn't fit in. Because this is a mess. And I'm not going to let this mess mess with me. So he made a decision to put her away privately. Because he's a just man. He didn't want to embarrass her. But he certainly didn't want to hurt himself. So let's just put her over here and let's do this. You don't fit in when your wife is pregnant and you're not married in that culture. You don't fit in when everything tells you to put her away. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up for you. L listen, to how, listen to how this angel talks to Joseph. I'm going somewhere. But while he taught about the... Uh, 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 while, hold on a minute. I, I just lost my place. Oh, here we go. 
While Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Take you, Mary, for your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. There it is, which is translated God with us. Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took, him, took to him his wife. And listen, he did not know her. Until he had, she had brought forth their firstborn son. And they did in fact call his name Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Now watch this. So the angel comes to Joseph. And he gives Joseph an instruction. Right? That doesn't agree with what he currently thinks is the right thing to do. I'm going to say it again. The word he was given challenged his opinion. The word he was given challenged his opinion. I worry about people who the only time they hear from God is when God agrees with them. I'm going to take a drink of water and let you think about that one. I worry about people. Who the only time they hear from God is when he agrees with them. When God spoke to Joseph through this angel, he challenged him to reevaluate the opinion he had come to. Which the right thing to do is for me to put her away. And he was mature enough to allow it to change him. Mm -mm -mm. He didn't let his compulsion to fit. He didn't allow his compulsion to fit to affect his obedience to the Lord. It's quiet in here because I'm challenging some folks. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. Why is it that the only time you hear from God is when he agrees with you? When's the last time you heard a word that challenged you up out of the position you're in? See, that's what's wrong with religion. Religion rests on what God said, and it's never listening to what God is saying. Religion knows God's word, but they never learn to hear his voice. Thank God Joseph didn't fit. Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. You know this part. And he went there because he was of the line and he was a descendant of David. See, they may not have recognized who David or Joseph was as David's descendant, but Joseph was convicted to make sure he was always recognized in that line. He didn't give up on the fact that he was royalty. He didn't give up on the fact that there was a prophetic word given 
that the throne of David, this happened in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 16, that the throne of David would be established and it would last forever. And it would govern God's people for all generations. He knew that. He knew that his line, what was in his blood, was royal. But presently, he wasn't being treated as royal. As a matter of fact, he was serving others. He was trying to build for others when others used to build for his grandfather, his great-great-grandfather, David. He knew who he was, but he wasn't treated that way. And he refused to allow himself to be counted in Nazareth because if he was counted in Nazareth, his lineage would have been erased forever. So he said, I got to do whatever it takes to make sure that I still fit in this line. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that my name or my lineage or my inheritance is still recognized. There may not be no inheritance left, but it's what I got. And it's who I am. And I'm not going to let this comfortable place and this comfortable moment erase who I know I really am. I could create a whole new line of uh, uh, um, build one of the biggest construction development businesses in Israel. But I'm not going to do that because I need to make sure I'm remembered as David's grandson. As David's grandson. And I think I have a sneaky feeling that when he was approached by that angel in his dream and, and the angel said, you're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He remembered stories from his father and his grandfather and the priests in the temple talking about one day a Messiah will come. And like Micah says, he'll come from Bethlehem. And then he remembered, oh, yeah, I'm a child of David. I can be counted in Bethlehem. And he takes the initiative to take his pregnant wife to Bethlehem. To Bethlehem. It's funny because he doesn't, it doesn't bother him that he's asking his wife who's pregnant in the third trimester to go 90 miles on a donkey. Now you'd have thought, he'd have said, baby, you can stay here. I'll be back. He took his wife in her third trimester, 90 miles, on a donkey. Ladies, I've never been pregnant before. I know what they try to say, but I, that, ain't, that ain't possible. I ain't never been pregnant, but I've, I've had four kids. I haven't had them. I didn't have them. Nowadays, they say stuff like, they're pregnant, right? My wife was pregnant. I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> we have four kids. Ladies in here know the discomfort that Mary must have gone through to ride a donkey that far, 90 miles. Not like 90 miles, you get in your car, you could be there in an hour and a half. That ain't how that happened. If she was on a horse, she still wouldn't have got there in an hour and a half. It took a long time to get that 90 miles. And here she is on a donkey. And so they get to Bethlehem, and he's of the line of David. And when he gets there, there's still no room for him. This is David's city. He's of the line of David, and there's still no room for him. So if he's from the line of David, 
And this is the city of David. It begs to, how does that statement go, begs to question? Is that right? I'm looking at Brother JC because he's a lot more intelligent than I am. Um, it begs to question that he had family in that town. Right? You would think that. And they didn't even make room for him. And you'd think if, 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 if Joseph and Mary had money, that when they went into that town, that that innkeeper would have at least, they'd, they'd have seen that money and said, oh, I got room for you. It's going to cost you, but I got room for you. But it worked out that there was nobody there that recognized his line. He knew he fit, and they still let him know he didn't. Thank God I don't fit. Then you got Mary, because it says, and he wanted to be registered with her. And she's pretty amazing, because the angel comes and tells her that she's favored of the Lord. If you read it, and I'll let you read it in Luke chapter 1. Tells her she's favored, highly favored of the Lord. And, and when the angel comes in, he uses a certain vocabulary. You read it later, it's in Luke chapter 1. He says, Hail, hail, you blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You are blessed among women. And the next verse says that she questioned why the angel would give her that kind of salutation. And the reason she's thinking that way is because the way he addressed her is like royalty. Hail, favored. And she knew she wasn't. Because at the end of the verse, she's going to tell the, after the angel convinces her that this is what's going to happen, because he says you're going to have a child, and she says, I ain't been with a man. And he says the Holy Spirit's going to do it. After the angel says all of that, she says, your handmaiden, let it be, let it be so. Your handmaiden has heard you. Literally means I'm not royal. I'm just a handmaiden. I know who I am. I know what you said, but I know who I am. I'm a handmaiden. I'm a handmaiden. And so what happens here is he's trying to call her up out of that or at least put a little uh, tickle in her ear that she would understand that you're better than that. You're highly favored. It's where we get the word favorite from. You know, there's an argument about who God likes more, men or women, who's their favorite. And, and some of them old-time preachers used to say that men were God's favorite. If he wasn't his favorite, then why would he send his son and not his daughter? Well, if, 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 if men were his favorite, he certainly wouldn't have made a woman because when he saw a man, immediately he said, he needs some help. Right? right. right? And the Bible says that he made a helpmeet for him. And it's interesting because if you look in Psalms, when David says that the Holy Spirit is his helper, it's the same word as helpmeet. David describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. It's the same word that's used for the world. Why? Because they were made in God's image. And so it was important for this to happen this way because Mary was a picture of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Spirit of God overshadowed her. Just like the Spirit of God hovered over the waters in the beginning was, remember this? In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. 
The Holy Spirit was waiting for a word to come forth to fill the earth with light and substance and purpose. And that's exactly what happened with Mary. She became the embodiment of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows how to carry God's promises. The Holy Spirit knows how to endure some harsh, harsh circumstances. The Holy Spirit knows how to deliver the gifts of God into the earth. The Holy Spirit knows how to nurture what God is saying and make it a... And so he picks Mary. She's an outcast. She's poor in spirit. People are already pushing her out because she's pregnant. And they know she's not married yet. And they know she ain't been with a man. At least they don't believe that. And so she's already the outcast. And what's wonderful about Mary is she trusted God's assignment. And she trusted the one God assigned to her, which was Joseph. We got to go to Bethlehem. And in all of this, what is happening is, circumstances and rejection and trouble is pushing these people right into prophetic destiny because it was spoken that the child should be born in Bethlehem. It was spoken that it should come from a virgin. All the prophetic words of God are are becoming a reality and they're becoming a reality through very harsh circumstances. How can Mary be riding a donkey and feel like a highly favored person? Shouldn't there be like a carriage or some kind of comfort bed that rolled her into that? Have you ever felt like that? You heard the preacher tell you how favored you are, but your present circumstances totally defies that logic altogether? I don't feel favored right now. I just lost my job. That ain't favor. I just got demoted. That ain't favor. uh, My pay just got cut. I just got... My check bounced on rent last week. That don't feel like favor. My lights got cut off. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I have. And that's a pretty low feeling. And at that moment, you're really questioning, what did I do wrong? What's interesting here is they didn't do anything wrong. God was just orchestrating all the pieces to get them into one specific spot. Because everything had to be perfect. And then there's one more character I'd like to talk about before we close. The innkeeper. You know, he's never mentioned. He's never mentioned. But it's implied because there's no room at the So there must be an innkeeper. Right? Now, he could have made room. He could have made room. I mean, I'll be honest. If, if a couple showed up and she was about to give forth the baby and there was no room in there, I would at least give him my space. Or you could at least share with me, right? But they didn't even, he, they were too full. He would have had to displace somebody to make room for Jesus. Now this is Bethlehem. And these people, the Jewish people are traditional. The Jewish people are uh, regimented. The Jewish people are educated. Why? Because the priests and the Pharisees, they didn't let the people forget about the prophecies of God. They didn't let the people forget about the laws of God. 
They didn't let the, it, it had to happen. You had to pray at this time. You had to go to the temple at this time. The people knew these prophecies. So they're in Bethlehem. They know the prophecy that the Messiah is coming. And even in that expectation, he could not make room. Why? Because his present crisis was more important than the expectation. See, what happens is God speaks and he gives you a promise like the Messiah is coming. In this circumstance, that prophecy was 600 years before Jesus ever showed up. A lot of times we get a word, and because it's taken so long for it to get to us, we forgot about it and have no expectation on it anymore at all. As a matter of fact, we treat it like it was a fairy tale and it wasn't God's truth at all. It wasn't a promise over me. I misheard. And so we don't even think about it. And that's where this innkeeper is. He had the opportunity to be the first person to ever worship Jesus. He could have been living his life like it could come in my time. If he looked at everything, the, the, the context of the whole situation, it might have dawned on him that he's probably coming and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least have a room. Maybe he could have made a room that nobody got to stay in and then when, Jesus sh- or when somebody showed up that could potentially be that, I'm going to have that room ready for him. He could have been the first one, but his present crisis, people were flooding the town so that they could be marked as in the city of David. Everybody, even the people that were lying about being in his line, wanted to come from that place. Because hopefully if they reestablish this kingdom, I can be part of it. And so he let the present crisis or the present influx of business displace him from his expectation that God could be doing something in his life. And so somehow, through his decision-making, he got kicked out of the fit. He's not even mentioned. He became an insinuation. He became a victim of the moment, and to some of us, he became a villain because he didn't make room for the Savior. And there he is. He ain't even there no more. Have you ever been there where you could have made room and you didn't? Has your expectation of what God told you waned? And so now you don't fit no more. You feel like you don't even fit in his plan. He should have expected the Messiah. But his presence crisis was bigger than his expectation. His present crisis was bigger than his expectation. So she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. I want to thank God that he don't fit. Thank God he don't fit. Thank God he don't fit because if he would have fit, if Joseph would have fit, if Mary would have fit, then maybe some of the things wouldn't have happened the way they were supposed to. The shepherds wouldn't have showed up. Those wise men from the east came to bring provision for Jesus. Many of you don't know that, that the gifts that came from the wise men funded their family to be able to live. Because from that moment, there was this other crisis because Herod wanted to kill Jesus, right? So he killed everybody that was two years and younger, and it drove them to Egypt. And that had to happen too. Because the prophecy said that his Savior would come up out of Egypt. Right? So all these problems are happening. I thank God he didn't fit. There is no human construct that can fit God into it. There is no framework that you can take God and fit into. 
Too often people come to the solid understanding that they feel they know God and God don't fit in your understanding. God is holy, which means other. Did you know that? Holy means other. He is completely other. He's holy. He's aside from us. We might be like him, but we are not him. There may be things that exist that are like what he can do. Like he can work like fire on us, but he is not fire. He is everything all in one. He's beyond our our imagination. It's his spirit that actually links and connects everything together. It's what holds us all together. He is beyond our imagination. He does not fit. He does not fit. We are constantly trying to frame out a room that God fits into. But I want to thank God that there's no room at the end. That's why it never works. We can't make God fit into our humanity. We can't make God fit into our circumstance. Thank God he don't fit. Because if he did fit, then the impossible situation I'm facing really is impossible. Because if God did fit, then the healing I'm believing God for can't ever happen. Because the doctors already gave me the report. If he did fit, then my hopeless situation really is hopeless and there is no hope. If he really did fit, then I'm in trouble. But because he didn't fit, I have hope. Because he didn't fit, I have healing. Because he didn't fit, I have deliverance. We get too familiar with the story of Christ. We get too familiar with this um, idea uh, of God. We get too familiar with the belief systems that we have. And we, 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 we fail to progress We fail to grow. We fail to get to the place we're supposed to be. Because there are markers in our life that God needs to get us to for us to fulfill everything he sent us here to fulfill. What I just said is God sent you here on purpose and you have something to do. All the blessing and favor you're looking for in your life is found wrapped up in that purpose. And you might be wondering, why am I going through so much hell? Because it may be taking God, putting you through all that just to get you to the right place. And every time he thinks he got you there, you do something else to derail it. And he has to send more trouble to get you somewhere else. And that's what he did with Mary and Joseph. He put so much pressure on them to get them where they were supposed to. Listen, they had a word from God. Angels. Angels showed up and talked to them. I've been serving God for my whole life. I'm 44. I ain't never seen an angel, not once. And they had angels show up and give them a word, and they still had to go through that. They still had to go through that. Thank God I don't fit. Thank God I didn't fit, because if I fit, I'd still be in New York, and I wouldn't have these beautiful babies right here. Thank God Pastor Rick didn't fit, because he'd still be living in Louisiana doing welding or something with that with his family and maybe we would never got the word that God deposited in that man's life for us thank God JC Watts didn't fit because we wouldn't have the influence that this man has had on our nation otherwise thank God Paul Thomas didn't fit or he might be still in Georgia and not serving the purpose of God that he's serving right now thank God Everett didn't fit thank God you didn't fit Whatever you're going through right now, you might be saying, this is hell that I'm dealing with right now. 
This is hell. This is uncomfortable. This is dry. They ain't got no room for me. Nobody's accepting me. You need to thank God for it. You need to thank God for it. You need to let go of your insecurities. Rest on what God already spoke to you. You're not supposed to fit in. You're not supposed to do like that. If you're fitting into this culture, you ain't doing nothing anyway. We've gotten too accustomed to ordinary. We come to church just so that we can sing songs, hear a cute word, go home, say that was nice, and go on with the rest of our week. We don't actually come purposefully knowing that God might drop a prophetic promise on my life. He might put a prophetic mandate on my life. He may open up the windows of blessing on my life. He may drop some kind of idea, an innovative idea on my life that, that has a breakthrough for generations to come in my family. He, you don't know that when you come to this house that there may be generational curses that you've been dealing with, addictions. Who knows that God wants to destroy, but because we took it ordinary, we fit in. There are two kinds of people that come to church. Those that are just trying to be there and those that come really needing God to do something in their life. Really needing him to do something in their, in their life. John 15, 7, if you abide in me, Listen, he didn't say, if, and I abide in you, because he doesn't fit in you. You fit in him. He said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Thank God we didn't fit. Thank God we didn't fit into that, and we're here today. I like what Jesus said, Luke 9. Now it happened as they journeyed, he's with his disciples. And someone came to Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man don't fit nowhere. He don't fit in. And another said, follow me. And he said to another man, follow me. And the man said to him, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus tells him something seems harsh. Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another one said, Lord, I'll follow you. But let me first go and bid farewell to those that are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit. Because to go back is actually to fit in. To go back and say bye is to actually go appease everybody's need for you. How, how could you just leave like that? Jesus tells them, you want to follow me? Well, if you have to want to follow me, you need to know foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't fit in nowhere. So if you want to be with me, thank God you don't fit. Thank God you don't fit. I want to encourage you in two things and then we're going to close. Number one, stop trying to do ordinary. Stop it. Stop trying to keep up with the people around you. Stop it. 
Stop doing the same old, same old. Stop it. Stop hanging your head low just because you're going through a tough time. Stop feeling pitiful and like a victim because you're going through something. Joseph never saw it that way. He saw it as I'm of the line of David. And even if you don't recognize who I am and you don't recognize where I'm from, I ain't never going to forget it. I know exactly what God did with me. And so when God calls his people, he starts with Abraham. We call Abraham the father of faith, right? We call him the father of faith. Why? Because he's who God used to establish what we call the people of God. But what does God tell him? I need you to stop fitting in. Leave your people and leave your kind and go. He didn't tell him where. He just said go and I'll show you. Thank God he didn't fit. Thank God Abraham didn't fit. Some of you have felt some extreme rejection. Some of you feel the pressure of trying to live up to people's expectations during the holiday seasons. Some of you lost a job recently. Some of you have been calling your mom. And she's been hitting a clear button. Some of you got maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend let go of you. Some of you lost a spouse. Some of you, you don't even know where your kids are right now. Some of you maybe don't even know what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Let me encourage you with something. Thank God you don't fit. For we know all things. We know all things work together for the good. For the good. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter what you're going through. You need to thank God you don't fit. Thank God I didn't fit. God, I want to thank you right now that I didn't.